Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 77 of the Corona Diaries. And we're on a bit of a mission this morning because I've got an 11.30 and it's all got a bit a bit late. But there's been some kerfuffle mm-hmm. and there's been some kerfuffle in the short household this morning. Oh my. Because we've had a positive COVID test this morning. Oh my, giddy end. Is it safe over Zoom? Uh, it's safe. Well, it's not me. Oh, it's, uh, not <laughs> it, it, it's not. It's not me. It's somebody within the household. So uh, the eldest, uh, who is of secondary school age, right, and therefore is now one of the one in fifteen children of a secondary school age who has COVID. Is he it's, all right? He's he's got a bit of a cough, but um, but but nothing outside of that. He had a bit of a tickle yesterday and a bit of a tickle today. So we'll mm. see what. But he tested yesterday and he was fine. Tested last night and he was fine. Mm. Clearly the viral load's built up overnight and it's enough to trigger the lateral flow this morning. So, uh, so yeah, a bit of kerfuffle, a bit of excitement in the short mm. household. Mm. The um, viral load and the lateral flow. The, I know, I know. There's I'm something in that, isn't there? coming on. I, I was thinking that. I may have already written it three um, times. It, it might already be in there. <laughs> might be in the can. I just thought lateral flow was a great name for a girl of easy virtue, but I think I said that already. I don't think you have. You might have thought it. I don't think you've said it. You know, someone you'd meet in Doncaster in a taxi rank. Lateral flow. I was there with her mate, hold me chips, I'm going for a piss in car park. What what more of that? I bet bet Chris Neal's got a a little rhyme about lateral flow. Yes. I bet he would be right up his alley, that. Indeed, right up his alley. <laughs> yes. So, yes, a bit of, bit of excitement in the short household this morning, which, of course, is a slight uh, issue because we're due to fly to Spain on <laughs> for half term. So we're now, we're now in... The, we can still go, provided none of us contract it. Right. So oh. we're, 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 we're taking a collective deep breath for the next three or four days to see if the rest of us can escape and then we can still potentially go on holiday. Have you but locked not, him in the loft? Uh, yeah, pretty much. He's nailed, yeah. nailed down now. Yeah, he's, he's not going. He's not going anymore. He just literally <laughs> opened his window and and strapped him to a strapped him to the bed. Mm. Um, yeah, which is the best way. Cool. Reminds me of the old days. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and back to your childhood. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, you need to tell me because I've only had snippets. I've only got this from BBC South. Oh, you yeah. need to tell me about lightsavers. Yes, well, I can, because I've had a bit of practice now. Um, it was a, a genius idea of, of Lucy. Um, of course, we'd, we'd, we'd gone ahead with this tour, put the tickets on sale, and then the penny suddenly dropped that if one of us tested positive, 
that was the hat. The tour was mm. going to be off. And we'd have all the trucks and buses and lights and sound and crew to pay for. And that would be an awful lot of money. Yeah. Um, and we'd also lose the income from across that tour, which would be one hell of a lot of money as well. Yeah. So... She said, has anybody thought of that? And we all went, oh, holy Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, she said, I've had an idea. What if we crowdfund the insurance? So uh, we all went, genius, how? And she worked it out. And um, we've basically offered uh, a, re a reward for anyone who stumps up anything. Of course, they mm -hmm. get their money back if, if, if all goes according to plan. Yeah. And uh, nobody tests positive, which we sincerely hope it won't happen. And we'll t we're going to go to great lengths to avoid contracting anything. We're going to isolate ourselves as much as possible during this tour. But um, anyone who pledges some money, uh, it goes into a PayPal account, it remains untouched and hopefully it will be returned. But if they do pledge anything... Um, there's a, a sliding scale of, of, of what you might get in return. So I think you get thanked in the tour program. Yeah. Um, if you pledge at a different level, you get different stuff. Um, one of the levels you you get you get to have a Zoom call with the band. Um, have a little natter with us all. We'll tell you how grateful we are, and you'll find out how much we've aged. Um, and um, sometimes by the week. <laughs> Depend, <laughs> depends on my roots. Actually. It does, yes. Which are looking resplendent this morning. <laughs> I've had them done. <laughs> so I know how many teeth I've got. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the full complement of teeth at the moment, which has helped. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's that's what it is. And of course, because it's never ever been done before, um, we've we've also had the added benefit of a little bit of media attention, mm. more than we'd normally get. You know, so we've, we've I was on I was on the BBC South News, and uh, we were half hoping that the the BBC National News might get on it or the One Show or something, but of course they haven't. If, if we'd been Sting, they'd have been all over it like a rash, yeah. but we're not. We're the pariahs of the rock business. Saying that, though, they might still go for it when you get near the total, because you're a long way in already, aren't you? Yeah, as of this morning, we're at 110,000 of the 150,000 total, and that's after four days. So mm. it's incredible the response we've had. And more incredible than that, really, is the fact that the the people who've pledged money are from all over the world. Um, this is for a UK tour, so a great majority of the people who've, who've stumped up have absolutely nothing to gain personally mm. by the tour going ahead. They just want to help. Mm. So that's beautiful. I, I can absolutely concur to that because there's a few people that have mentioned to me that they've that they've uh, pledged and they're you know US and and European uh with no hope I mean in some instance obviously not hope not going to see the band on this tour for one 
but a European person that might get to see the band at some point really relatively soon. But people from the US who it's you know far looser as to when they'll get to see the band next. Yeah, um, it's lovely that they've just wanted to get involved and help out. Mm. It's, um, no, it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely touching. fantastic. I think I think it might be. I mean, I mean, Lucy will be all over this, but yeah, when you've hit the target, maybe the maybe the big boys will pick up. But the FT picked up on it, didn't they? The FT ran That's a nice true. article. Yeah, the the the, the FT um, interviewed Mosley because um, we said they should interview the Count really because he does the money. <laughs> oh, he'd have been all over FT, won't he? <laughs> I bet he has a copy of FT under his under his arm when he comes in to rack it of a morning. The creaking sound of the coffin lid opening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I help you? Small small puff of vape smoke and then he appears. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So he did the FT and there's been a few other, um, you know, daily bugles around yeah. the... Uh, does that sound uh, disrespectful? Um, no. no. No more disrespectful than we normally sound. No. <laughs> Just trying there. to ensure they never write about us again. Yes. Um, <laughs> no. No. I think it's. I think it's absolutely. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's a, and it's a genius because, of course, the problem is at the point you find out, there's nothing you can do, is there? I mean, it's not like you cancel a tour six weeks out because a, somebody breaks a leg. Mm. In which case, you can mitigate some of the cost at that point in time because you're far enough out. COVID hits the tour potentially the night before you start, and that's you can it. Actually, you can actually insure against somebody breaking a leg or me falling yeah. off stage and, you know, fracturing my skull. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't be able to if they'd met me. But, <laughs> was, but the... <laughs> it seems no prior knowledge, doesn't it? <laughs> they haven't. <laughs> so, so... But you can insure against that, but no one on the planet will touch you for COVID, right? For a for a positive test, as as Phil Collins will tell you. Yes, because Genesis just blew their tour out for that very reason. So we had thought we'd thought ahead a little bit more than they had. Well, that and and the Genesis news helped i would have thought um or certainly didn't do any harm it kind of underscored the point yeah it's underscored um, the point that you know you need this if you can if you've got the kind of 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 fans or in i mean in genesis's case they could probably have sorted it out with a few phone calls to their mates yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> down or even Sur- look down the back of their collective sofas. Down in Sur- Surrey, yeah, or down the back of their collective sofas, exactly. Uh, or they might have to sell one of their houses or something. Yeah. Some, you know, the one they forgot they had. Yeah. That one. Um, I didn't know whether to paint it, so I sold it. <laughs> it needed repointing, and, you know, it's a lot of mess. <laughs> it's a lot of mess. <laughs> I couldn't get a builder until a week on Friday, so I just sold it. <laughs> so there we are. So so that's Lightsavers. Right. Which and was a name suggested by Pete Travis, I think, because yeah. I suggested Cover My Arse. But the... <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it was deemed a little too flippant. Right, yes, yeah, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> and are we... Virtually at the point, I'm not saying, I mean, 
this doesn't go out for another few days anyway. But I mean, you must be getting close to the point where you can say, well, okay. Because if you get to 135 or 137 or 142, that's going to be enough of an insurance, isn't it? That's going to be enough to... Oh, we wouldn't cancel anyway. I right. mean, th- this isn't th- this isn't to save the tour. This yeah. is basically to save us. Yes, <laughs> the cover of my ass really was so, yeah. a very good name. So we're doing we're doing we're doing the tour. Whatever yeah. happens, uh, it's just that this is in insurance, and we would have done the tour without that insurance. Although we'd have, you know, we're we're going to take every every bit as much care not to contract the virus obviously i mean well we would wouldn't we because we're not we're no spring chickens no nobody wants to be that you don't Ill. want it you don't you don't want it no i don't i don't feel jealous of anyone who's had it no no well i'll mention that to josh when i when i you know when i when i put something outside his door later on <laughs> um you know steve he h would not take your place josh he's not jealous <laughs> Don't come anywhere near him. He's not roaring up the motorway. <laughs> no, 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 you you ain't getting grapes. <laughs> to inhale your exhaled air. <laughs> inhale your exhaled air. <laughs> Good grief. Uh, that's a T-shirt. Um, so on the subject of the tour, um, have you started rehearsing? No. Um, uh, we Well, in theory, yes. Uh, right. In practice, I mean, what we said we'd do is we would take this week to generally swat up on the songs, learn the chords, rather than do what we normally do, which is turn up day one and go, how does this lot go? <laughs> well, and everybody has to sit around whilst everybody else tries to work everything out, which they could have just worked out on their own at home. So this time we said, let's work it all out on our own at home uh, and then start next Monday. So we're going to start together next Monday. I know what will happen. We'll all arrive and go, so how does this lot go then? <laughs> have you have you agreed? Everybody's just gone, oh, extra week off, lovely. Yes, yes, nice. Weather's great, fantastic. <laughs> have you? Do you at least, if you do this, do you at least agree, say something like, I don't know, a key that you're all going to play in or do you... You know, you're not all going to arrive next week and start trying to play uh, King in three different keys, are you? Oh, no. No, it's a good point. Um, The kind of thing that would probably happen. But in theory, it can't. But in practice, of course, you know, you've got a bunch of... What's the word? Um, Yeah, so it could happen. Yes. It could could happen, but they will all all have agreed. Um, I mean, basically, you just put the... You put the record on, and you, or, or, or in our case, the files, because the record doesn't exist yet. But you stick the mixers on, and you pick a guitar up, check it's in tune, mm-hmm. and then and then go, oh, what's what keys this in? And mm. you're away. You know, you just do it by listening to it. Mm. And we, I think I've asked this question in the past, but obviously on the older material, have you changed keys of anything? I think I've asked you this once. Has anything shifted? We did, yeah. We shifted the entire key of the space. I, I knew you were going to say the space. I think we knocked that down a semitone. Yeah. Uh, from the key it was in on Seasons End because it was sky high. Hmm. And uh, I, I can hit the notes, but probably not every night. Hmm. And we did the same with 
the very last section of the space. Uh, not the space, I just said that, haven't I? Yeah, you and have do you know, that. hello, pleased to meet you. I'm Steve, <laughs> Steve H. Lovely. Indeed, um, indeed, indeed. No, we did Oh, yes, this... I've seen you on BBC South. <laughs> yes, yes, I do know you. <laughs> that, that was me, yes. Um, no, on the, uh, the, the, the very last section of the sky above the rain, Right. Um, we nudge that down, either a semitone or a tone. I think it was just a semitone, but left the rest of the song where it was. So, so that actually moved during the song, right. which was a bit peculiar, mm. but seemed to work. I don't know if anybody ever spotted that. We never got any letters. No. Um, so we did that as well, but, I mean, we haven't played it that often live anyway. Um, Does that mean that a song's in two different keys anyway? Then, um, or, or, or well, do you our just... songs our songs tend to drift about and modulate anyway from right. bloody moment to moment. They're all over right. the shop. So you know, a, a Marillion song typically you'd say, "Oh well, the the verses in the verses in B flat. You know, the choruses are in E flat." Or D, or bloody F sharp, or whatever, and then the you know middle eight was in C. Oh. Go, go figure. Um, but part of our um, compositional and arrangement uh, process is tr- is basically trying everything <laughs> with everything, and then deciding where it should be. Um, so there's al- there's always a lot of beard stroking and. What if this just slid up a semitone? Ooh, let's try mm. that. Mm, what do you think? Mm. All those in favour go, mm. Mm. you know, and then someone will go, that's shit. And you go, oh, all right, we won't do that then. So our arrangement process is a bit like that and that's why it takes us forever to write anything because we, we, we've already tried every other alternative to whatever you're hearing. By the time you hear it, you know, and and taken a vote on it and stroked our beards and given it a lot of thought and then found out what Mike thought at the end. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Mike? Oh, yeah, we'll do that then. <laughs> it sounded in the middle a bit like the, the, the process is like a Dick Emery sketch. <laughs> With a lot of ooing in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is awful, but I like it. <laughs> so, um, but obviously... You don't have the same issue with the older songs, so it's just the new stuff that you're going to play that involves you having to swat up most of the older stuff. Is like slipping on an old pair of shoes. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting face. <laughs> I'm just thinking of one member of the band in particular. But okay. I, okay. I, I couldn't possibly comment. I'm not, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Waiting for a keyboard player who let me down. <laughs> okay, but generally not too hard. Generally, as a rule, Pete. Pete always knows. So every, you know, if in the event that um, a certain member of the band has forgotten how um, Neverland goes for the fortieth time. Uh, Just as an example. As an example. Pete, Pete will tell him. Right. <laughs> Pete will go, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Then we'll play it. And at some point, there'll be another bit. And Pete will go, you missed that bit. And then he'll he'll explain how that bit goes. 
Right. So, I mean, I, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones and I, and I probably have forgotten all the bloody guitar parts to the levers. But then I'm not really a guitarist, I say in my defence. No, and you've never claimed to be a guitarist, have you? Uh, no, I've, no I've, I've never been on the front cover of Guitar Magazine for you, some you reason. You haven't. You haven't. You know. you, other members of the band have. You haven't. Uh, yes, yeah, strangely, I've been overlooked. Yes. And keyboardists has never come knocking. I don't even know if there's a magazine called Keyboardist. Nobody's fucking been knocking. <laughs> <laughs> ah. ah. Not even the Village Gazette. Not even Wobbleboard Monthly. <laughs> oh, dear. Grief, I've been on the front cover of Wobbleboard Monthly. <laughs> well, you do look a bit like it. <laughs> <laughs> wow oh dear anyway anyway <laughs> we need to be a bit careful because we were thinking about having mark see if mark could come on the podcast we better be careful we'll i wasn't a... talking about mark I've oh right mentioned oh, him. oh right all right it's, yeah forgive me forgive me i mm. i just heard the word keyboard and oh yeah no i did mention jump to a yeah. conclusion yes <laughs> so um this was the thing I was going to ask because I have never asked this, and I was interested in this. You don't do you do a performance rehearsal? I, you rehearse at the racket, don't you? You so mean you go a production and do, rehearsal? A bro- production, like, yes. On a stage, lights yes. a lot, and it was for the lighting. I was thinking, no, we don't. Poor, poor old Jens has to has to crack through it all on day one, right? Um, go, go to help him. Um, we. When we did Brave again at uh, Port Zeland um, that time for the conventions, we did hire, where did we go? I think that might have even been the forum at Kentish Town. I think we went to the forum and uh, hired that for the day Mm. and went through, because Brave has more of a performance aspect to it, Mm. I needed to to know what I was going to be doing when and how we were going to arrange, you know, just things like uh, the girl coming on and lighting the candles and blowing them out at the end of that and, you know, which side of stage people would be on and walking on from and uh, what would work and what wouldn't. We didn't want to chance that to fate because we knew it would be a shit show if, if we... There's always something you think, oh... Oh, it's a shame that girl who lights the candles couldn't get over, you know, knocked all the bases down walking <laughs> on, isn't it? Um, it's the things like that that you don't you don't quite uh, suss out without actually physically doing it and then little mm. problems raise their head and you think, oh, I'm glad we did this because that, that would have all gone wrong. Um, so we did do, we did hire a, a, a space, but even then I don't, I don't think Jens put lights in. We didn't have sound and lights in. Right. It was more just for the... I think Jens turned up and some of the crew stood about stroking their beards and going, have you thought about this and perhaps we should mm. do that and, you know, maybe we should stick do, do this instead of that and put lights there instead of there. So it was thought about. But normally... Um, a production rehearsal costs so much money to put mm. together because you have then got to put the sound and lights in a truck, mm. move it to a venue which you've got to hire. You need a, 
you know, a day of crew and all of that and it gets insanely expensive for no income. So it's a big decision to do production rehearsals. Mm. Some bands do, you know, but some bands are really wealthy. We just don't have that kind of money kicking about. Well, I guess if you're going out on a stadium tour, so you know you're generating some real income, mm. uh, then it probably does make sense to to do it. Because there are, there are, I think there's one up in Wakefield, so I think there's one close to us, a place that does exactly that, that, mm. that does, you know, stuff for, for those bigger shows and a, and a band will go in for a week beforehand. I mean, if you're one of those artists that's taking 25 dancers and a yeah. couple of... I don't know, jugglers and flamethrowers and an electric arc welder, then... Yeah. Van Morrison then you're thinking of, aren't you? <laughs> then you probably need... You need to do all that. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're not like that. Okay. Have you thought about taking an arc welder? Yes. Yeah, I could see that working. <laughs> I've thought about that a lot. <laughs> 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 oh, oh dear I don't know how we get into it how the hell do we get onto these subjects I have I've pondered that at length <laughs> at length <laughs> well the girl in Flashdance was a bit of a welder wasn't she there you go there you are there you go. I think There's I've the pondered link. it before Flashdance <laughs> Did you? But, but yes that's true you were pondering welding at an early age <laughs> can you weld <laughs> no can you not? I can't either. I just thought I'd ask the. No, but I do like I do like the idea of striking an arm. <laughs> I think I think that would work. I think you could have that one side of the stage and somebody somebody uh, you know uh, who's what's the name of the people that do shoes for horses? <laughs> blacksmith. Yeah, get a blacksmith on the other side. Get a, a nice forge going. Yeah, get yeah, a bloke with bellows. <laughs> a nice pile of coal, glowing white hot. Yeah. <laughs> bloke with bellows. <laughs> That's how it'd be listed on the tour programme. <laughs> bloke with bellows. Yeah, exactly. I, I found myself slightly on this subject of, of prepping for a show because when we go to the diary section in a minute, you actually describe the first show on the Strange Engine tour in Cambridge mm. and the fact that, that that took a little bit longer um that sound check because it was the first one on the show and obviously i guess when you go out for the first date on this tour then that will be the first time jens has had a chance to mess about with the lights and you'll probably have a, a longer sound check i mean does it mm. does it help that the band roughly are always located in the same places that must help jens a bit it's very you're quite a predictable stage setup aren't you now yeah oh oh yeah of course um that that has a bearing on everything, even the, the lengths of all the cables and mm. the looms because they usually cut those cables to length so mm. that, you, you know, they all fit in between wherever they're plugged in either end and because you don't want cable lengths any longer than they have to be if you can no. help it because you lose you lose a little bit of a bit of quality you um, do? over a long cable. You do? Um so the you know the multi core that goes from the, the the stage to the out front desk has to be made of properly expensive stuff mm. um, because that's probably the longest cable run in the building um, and you're trying to avoid any kind of losses over the 
over the length of those cables. Not as bad if you if you've gone digital. No. But we don't we haven't. We still we're still analogue out front. Phil doesn't like digital, he won't he won't have it. He won't have it in the no, ass. No, no. I don't want it in the ass. Newfangled uh, nonsense. Digital out of this ass. That was good. That that was good. That I'm not having it in the ass. I got a, I got a whiff of Michael Caine. I don't know who you're aiming for. I wasn't. I was just aiming into the wind. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you won't have digital in the ass. So, um, oh uh, Ray Winston, I suppose there could have been a bit of Ray Winston in there. It was yes. a, it was it was a mashup. It might have been. It might have had a touch of brick top. You yeah. Know, oh yes. Is. Do you know what Nemesis is? Um, so uh, yes. So what were we on about? What were you we, on we about? were you were talking about multi cores, which I never oh, expected I, to get you on to multi cores. I'd gone um, off into cable length. Yeah, yeah. you'd gone on into you gone into yes, you were if on you, length and girth, weren't if you? If you hadn't shut me up, I'd have been on to uh, you know capacitance losses and inductive diddly do. Oh, <laughs> I can't remember oh. the other bit. For those for those who don't know, a multi-core, and I'm right in saying this, aren't I? You have a mixing desk at the back of the room, which is you where do. Phil stands, and or everything that's on stage is plugged in on stage, and you have to get the signal from everything on stage, so all those amps and keyboards and mics has to then work its way back to the mixing desk. And the way you do that is you have a box on stage that you plug everything into, one big cable, which is effectively a whole bunch of cables, a whole bunch of every one of the inputs and outputs in one particular kind of shielded cable that goes back to the mixing desk. That's kind of right, isn't it? Not only does it go back to the mixing desk, it then comes back, comes to, back the to the stage, stage. again, having been mixed as a, uh, as a stereo pair, uh, to the, the amplifiers that run the PA. Yes. Left and right. Left and right. But, yeah, most of it is going to the mixing desk and then there's a, a stereo pair coming back. Um, um, the reason you do that is because only only a man standing in the crowd can know what it sounds like in the crowd. So it's his job to balance the sound from where the crowd are uh, standing because if you did that from the stage, you would it would sound bloody awful because you wouldn't know what they they could hear. No. Because the sound on stage is always totally different to how it is in the room. So pretty early on in rock and roll, maybe even before rock and roll, uh, back in the theatre days when they first started using um, electric audio, they probably would have had some kind of balancing, a little balancing desk out, out in the auditorium. Um, and you need a multicore. You do, and it's also a good place to stand. Standing near Phil, if you want to hear it, if you want to hear the sound, is not a bad place to stand. Don't stand too close to him. Yeah, but don't tell, don't tell the audience that because they're just with this massive cluster <laughs> around Phil, and he'll be whacking them with a baseball bat yeah. in between songs. Yeah, to keep yeah. them out of the way. Yeah, and uh, and if if you do decide to stand near Phil, don't ask him for his set list at the end. You don't want to give things away. Yeah, and don't put your don't put your pint on a shelf next to him where he no. can, where you can knock it onto the desk because no. that that would result in hospitalisation. Yes, and and don't look your mobile, don't record the gig on your mobile phone anywhere near him, and don't try and talk to him. Yes, in fact, pretend he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, Phil's lovely. He is. No, he's lovely. He's very. 
He's very easy going as long as he's not bothered. Yeah, don't bother anything. him. Don't bother him. Mm. Right, should we go and listen to your first day on the Strange Engine tour? Yes. Do you know, I, I can almost remember walking into the Corn Exchange that day and seeing all of those drapes up f- for the first time with the, the Strange Engine little squiggles and sketches on them. I remember walking in and going, oh, they look all right, don't they? So mm. I remember that. Mm. Well, it's a nice place to start. Cambridge is a lovely place. It is, and, and Cambridge Corn Exchange is a lovely gig. Mm. Really nice. I've I've seen you in that gig. I have seen you in that gig. Uh, not a lot of PA probably goes on in that room. It's quite a lively room, isn't it? Um, I don't know, mate. I don't muck them out. Uh, I think. Do you know? I think Roderick once told me that. I think I was. Right. I was actually at front of house with Roderick uh, um, before Phil's time, and I think uh, Roderick told me that. And it was a fairly, mm. fairly lively room, and drums and things pretty much took care of themselves, and it was more about the voice. So there we are. There mm. we are. Probably total nonsense. And Roderick, if you're out there listening, hope you're well. Uh, lovely fellow, Roderick. Very nice man. Very mm. nice man. Right, I'll let, I'll let you take us to Cambridge then. Okay, let's go to Cambridge. If only it were that simple. Friday, 2nd of May, Cambridge Corn Exchange. Glorious weather accompanied the journey to Cambridge. It was a little too warm for sitting in the car for three hours in congested motorway traffic, but I drifted in and out of sleep in the sunshine as Tim's mobile phone bleeped, demanding his attention. I remember passing the Civil Aviation Museum and being treated to a glance of a shimmering VC-10 in BOAC colours, bringing back an explosion of 60s imagery in my head. Georgie Best and Simon D, watching the wrestling on a Saturday afternoon with my gran, etc. The sun was shining down as we arrived at the University Arms Hotel. It overlooks an open space of parkland populated by students, young scruffy boys in deck shoes and girls exuding their own summer beauty. I wasn't staying at the hotel, so while Steve R checked in, I popped over the road to Odbins. I was on a mission. One bottle of Pims and a bottle of lemonade. This is the way to start a tour. Tim drove me round the corner to the Corn Exchange, which, thanks to Cambridge's virtually impossible one-way system, evaded us as usual. There were already a scattering of fans looking for an autograph or just a hello outside the stage door. I entered the building to catch my first sight of this tour's production, this strange engine. The backdrop looks great. Also, Shelley's erected the lighting poles in just the way I had imagined, curving out organically from a cluster at the base. The projection screens need attention, though. At the moment, they look like a couple of morning-after bedsheets. I made my way upstairs to catering and was introduced to our new cooking girls, Mary from Glasgow and Denise from Dublin. Who wants a Pims then, girls? I announced. Point me at the ice. I mixed a few pims with a couple of strawberries floating in the ice and toasted the forthcoming tour before going down to the stage to see how Mark Kay was getting on. Stuart E has fixed the midi cricket bat. 
It's down to me now to learn how to play the thing. Jeff Hooper had woven his Welsh magic and my monitors were sounding great. If only rehearsals sounded like this. Soundcheck took a while as it's the first proper show. I ate a spot of dinner, a little chicken and veg, and then returned to the bus for a pre-show snooze in my bunk. Bliss. At eight o'clock, I reappeared into the warm evening air of an early summer in Cambridge to see Ian Mosley padding up the street on his own. Neither of us knew how to gain entry backstage, so we had no choice but to walk round the front and go in with the crowd. Someone came up to me and shook my hand, saying, I've waited for years in the hope of doing this. It's a great feeling to quietly mean this much to people. The show went well. Unavoidably, certain uncertainties crept in here and there, but all things considered, it wasn't a bad first night. Later, we all returned to the hotel where the Dutch record label had flown in a load of Dutch retailers, so I was introduced to them. Some wanted to talk, some didn't. I chatted until I felt it wouldn't be rude to cross the room and relax. The proceedings were punctuated by a student scrap in the bar. They were having some kind of a college ball in the next room. By now it was one in the morning and they were all as drunk as it's possible to get without passing out. The boys were doing the pisshead macho in front of the girls thing and the next thing we knew, there were six of them kicking the life out of someone who was curled up on the floor. Tim and Jack went over to try and break it up while I, heroically, drifted over to the opposite end of the room. I've never seen the point in intervening with or moderating the behaviour of drunks. They don't deserve help and they certainly won't thank you for it. Been there, got the stitches. Leave them to it. They'll all be best mates in the morning. At around two, the bus arrived to take me to Cardiff. I sat upstairs for 20 minutes and had a beer with the crew before turning in. It's great to drift off into sleep, knowing that you're on the road to another adventure. St David's Hall beckons. Saturday, 3rd of May. Cardiff, St David's Hall. I decided to lie in long after the crew had departed the bus to start the load-in. I eventually surfaced at about 11.30. Next to the bus was a loading bay for Marks and Sparks. I ran out of underwear last night after the show and had been walking around without any on, so I asked directions and found my way out of the maze of loading bays behind the St David's Centre. The next thing I knew, I was on the first floor of M&S, which was packed with Saturday shoppers. Not a first thing in the morning experience I would recommend. I queued up with a fistful of underpants on hangers, feeling shell-shocked and semi-conscious. The customers chatted to the checkout ladies, telling them what they'd been up to and generally socialising in a timeless Welsh fashion, while the queue waited, oblivious of the concept of impatience. Apart from yours truly, muttering, sighing and shifting from one foot to the other, bursting to pay and get out of the place. I returned to the St David's Hall and found my way backstage to a dressing room where, at last, I was able to shower and clean my teeth. Unfortunately, I'd forgotten about towels and emerged from the shower dripping wet and unable to make myself heard as I craned my head round the door, starkers shouting for help. There are beds in the dressing rooms at St David's Hall, thoughtfully included to accommodate and refresh tired performers. 
I have this image of Dame Kiri Takanoa spark out with her hair in curlers, napping peacefully. I dried myself on the pink candlewick bedspread and hung it up to dry. As I did so, I noticed a rugby ball surreally balanced on the ledge of the tall building opposite. Wales. I went down to catering and had a spot of light breakfast and a gallon of coffee while chatting to the crew and watching the Saturday football feature on TV before wandering into the hall to listen to Priv EQing the PA. It occurred to me that the front lighting towers needed to be curtained black, so I asked Shelley if there were any spare drapes around. He said that there were and that it would be done. I decided to go out for a wander around Cardiff. I soon found a music shop and bought a saxophone strap for my cricket bat. You can imagine the conversation I had with the shop manager. I signed an autograph for one of the customers while trying to explain why I needed to hang a cricket bat around my neck. On the return journey to the venue, I passed a shop called The World Trading Company, which was full of Balinese and Indian arts and crafts. I browsed through the room filled with Buddhas and other wood carvings, textiles and icons and I found two enormous masks hanging on the wall. Balinese or African, I think. Perfect for the lighting towers and in harmony with the tribal and mythical elements in the production. They're each about six feet tall. I bought them both for less than £100 and staggered back to the venue through throngs of Saturday shoppers with one of the shop assistants tagging along behind with the second mask. And we're back. Hey. Um, And um, first first gig of the This Strange Engine tour in Cambridge. You just said to me... We get into the stage in the diary where I can actually remember some of these days. I can. I can I can remember walking into the Cambridge Corn Exchange through a side door about halfway down the hall and thinking, oh, it's nice in here, and uh, looking at the stage and seeing all the um, strange engine drapes up and thinking, oh, they turned out all right, didn't they? With all the little sketches. In fact, they're mm. hanging in the Racket Club studio now. So uh, they're, they're, I, I, I still meet up with them from time to time. But the first time I ever set eyes on the strange engine drapes was walking into Corn Exchange, and I, I can remember it happening. And we'd got an agent. What was his name? He's now running Kilimanjaro. He's a very nice guy. And what the hell is his name? I, I might have to insert that. But he had a cold. Or was it Ian Hoffman who had a cold? We had an agent and uh, he had a cold and he was miserable and I kicked him out of the dressing room because he was messing with my vibe. Right. <laughs> you don't want anyone messing with your vibe, do you? <laughs> Are you going to cheer up or will you fuck off? Uh, <laughs> and, um, and off he fucked. I think the manager pointed out he was our agent. Uh, so, oh, so I'm awfully sorry. How are you? Um... <laughs> I, th- I think that was in the corn exchange. I was a lot spikier then than I yeah. am now. I'm a bit more easygoing. A lot more Paul Whitehouse. <laughs> yes, I was more Paul Whitehouse back then. I'm more Bob Moore to me yeah. these days. Yeah, I've gone across. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> you don't know how to catch a fish, um, but you're a lot funnier. Um, you were, was it? You made pims. You made jugs of pims when you got there. You met. You met the two. Obviously, you met the two new um, catering. The catering um, girls. Yeah, girls. did I show up with a bottle of Pims? You did. It's the kind you of did, thing You'd I'd been do. to Odd Bins. Yeah, of course. As a blast from the past. Yes, I'd been to Odd Bins and, uh, and bought a bottle of Pims. Because uh, I was I was in, in full flouncing around in a big shirt mode at that yes. point. Because, and it was uh, Cambridge. It was Cambridge. It was a really sunny day. And one has to have Pims mm. under those circs. I thought I probably still do. It's the kind of thing I oh I, I do. I might still do on a I sunny do. day. I probably these days would have wandered in with a couple of bottles of Gewurztraminer, mm-hmm. or the ingredients for a gin has. Have you come across a gin has yet? No. It's that's all the rage in Copenhagen currently. Ah. Uh, so um, yes, the for for a deep understanding of. Uh, Scandinavian chic. Um, you, one must have a gin house. Really nice. The sort of um, gin. What the hell is it? It's some kind of uh, ooh, uh, mango, mango sauce. I think right. there's a mango sauce you put in it, and limes, and then you top it up with that San Pellegrino. Uh, lemon, lemon, the lemon soda mm. on that they do. Yep. The light is yep. quite light, yeah. And you end up with something that tastes a little bit like a caipirinha, right? But is gin based, right? Lovely on a sunny day. So Ooh. would be would be gin hasses these days. I'd probably well, I wouldn't concoct that before a show because that'd be irresponsible. Yes, might be a bit too strong on the hasses. Yes, because a pim a pim's a gentle introduction, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit more of a responsible yeah. amount of alcohol pre-show. Yes. It's an afternoon thing, definitely. You can always hit the hasses afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> hit the hasses. <laughs> I like a mojito, but I, oh, yeah. I find them a bit lethal. Well, a hass is in that area, is in that right. mojito area as well, because you do have a, that's true, you have a, you garnish it with mint. Right. At the end, so it it has got just that touch of of that vibration about it. Mm. Mm. Oh, oh, that's sounding like right. Next time we get together Scandi on the hasses, Scandi chic, Scandi chic, Scandi chic. Um, the other thing that that jumped at me from the diary readings is that you um, that's when you started using the cricket bat, right? That must have been the first incarnation of the cricket bat that Stuart Every built. He was pretty good with wood, and so uh, he, I think because he was going to end up in charge of the system, he didn't want me doing gloves because uh, there was a bit of a roadie's graveyard mm. behind gloves. Uh, and he said, well, how about something a bit more sturdy than gloves? And I went, well, I'm like what? Well, I don't know, he said. I said, what about a tennis racket? That'd be great, but of course there wasn't anywhere to put the switches. No, uh, because tennis rackets are mostly fresh air, uh, and and so then he said, "Well, what about a cricket bat?" I said, right, sold. So he went off to the local sports shop, bought a cricket bat, and then got stuck in with his chisels. Mm. And we emptied the we emptied the technology out of the, one of the packs of the gloves, 
and he soldered it all into this cricket bat. And I think that was the first time I ever used it. Um, yes, because in Cardiff, you was it Cardiff or it might have been Cambridge, you went to look for a strap. You ended up with a saxophone strap, didn't you? That's true. And then I bought the masks. I saw I saw these long, long African masks hanging in a in a shop in Cardiff and bought those as well. And I put them somewhere on stage. Um to get a bit of a tribal thing going, because we had um, we had all those huge masks at the back that were from uh, Conrad's book "Hero with a Thousand Faces," of um, they were various gods and deities. There was a snow god from up in the Arctic, and then there was a Greek, there was a Greek sun god. And we had all those made. We've still got those somewhere as well at the racket club. They're really nice. And they're a bit bit nuts. It's nice to have a few gods hanging around when you oh. when you're recording an album. You need all the help you can get. <laughs> get one of them on your zoo. Kazoo. Be kazoo, won't it? Not your zoo. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. Just, just appeal to the Arctic snow god every now and again for a for a better line than the one you've written. God knows I have. When you said for a better line, I didn't know where you were going, but when you said <laughs> than, what, than what I've written, I was back with you. Oh, you don't need gods for that. You just need the next door neighbours. <laughs> it's a dodgy neighbourhood. Allegedly. <laughs> That's Buckinghamshire for you. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll call it a day there um, oh, okay. uh, for, for, for 77. Leave it in the gutter. Might as well. Yeah. You know, if in doubt, if if in doubt, I've got to go and organise PCR tests and all manner of things. So, uh, oh blimey, I've yeah, got all that to crack yes. on with. You need the old wire brush and dental. Uh, yeah, all of that, all of that. Uh, <laughs> you've just got to sit sit there and work out what key something's in, and I'll take care of COVID health. <laughs> ding ding ding! Oh, my piano's not on. No, it's harder when it's off to work out what key things are in. Yeah. I'll right, turn. I'll see you next time then. Well, yes, and let's see you next time. Hey, well, when, hoping... when do you go on holiday? Uh, oh, dear, we, we go on holiday. Well, I can't, I'm not supposed to say this because we're oh. taking him out of school for a day, but we go on holiday week on Friday, 22nd. Assuming, yeah, don't tell yeah. assuming, obviously, the rest of us don't fall foul of the old COVID because that's going to put a mockers on it because we're in the 10-day period now. So if we're going to get it, we need to get it literally today or tomorrow. Otherwise, we technically can't go. Yes. So, um, so we we need to avoid it. We need to keep him locked up, avoid it, and then hopefully he'll be on a plane on the twenty second. Cool. It'd be like shallow grave, won't it? And just have him locked in the loft. Exactly like. That. Yeah. He's a teenager. Why would you not do that anyway? Well, he probably locks himself in the loft. <laughs> well, yeah. His teenager. life's not going to change one jot. No. Uh, for the next 10 days. No, you just uh, won't have to force him downstairs to eat. No. You can just no. push his food under the... Exactly that. They were doing that with Dave Megan, he said. What was it he said? <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> was that in the podcast? It was in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if he could leave his food outside so there was a race between him and the dog. Him and the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dog had had it before he could open the door. Yeah. <laughs> he was getting to his main courses, but he wasn't getting to his desserts, was he? <laughs> that's hysterical. I think that's brilliant. I think they're brilliant. I, the only thing you probably... An omelette, you'd probably just about get an omelette under the door. 
<laughs> Righty ho. All well, right, you take care. Well, yes, take take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. What a time this is. Everything changing. Faster than the eye can blink. Faster than we can stop and think. What will the future hold? Well, whatever. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. 
You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.